Okay, so if you have your Bibles with you and you wish to do so, could you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12? We're having a a week off our series on Romans, and I was given a free topic. Whoa, the amazing privileges you get from time to time. A little while ago, I was reading a book about the culture that we can often create in our churches. And it was um, indicating some shortcomings, shall we say, in the culture many churches have. Now, there's a caveat that they were largely looking at American churches and largely looking at traditional churches. However, I think there are things that we, we can and learned. I was certainly provoked by this book, um, and every time they had an example, I thought, mm, no, Emmanuel's not like that. And I thought, hmm, am I really sure that we're not like that? So I decided that I would think about this a little bit more, and I want to address some of these issues that this book raised. And one of the things that the book said was that we can create a, ch- a culture in the church which is largely passive rather than active. It can be largely focused on words and not on deeds. And it can be focused on, on people skills rather than tasks or, or task skills. So if you remember these personality things that there was people come out as, um, as people-focused or, or, or task-focused. I always come out as task-focused. Um, and, and so there, it can often be that the people who, we, um, who we, we actually create a culture where they feel at home, are just that they fall into some of these categories. And I kept thinking, well, actually, I don't think we're like that. I don't think we have a passive culture. I know that we do focus quite a lot on words. Um, I'm actually speaking words now. I wondered how I was going to get away with preaching a sermon without using words, but I couldn't think of anything, so words you've got. Um, And we're we're largely, uh, we can often be people-focused. I mean, many, I think I've told you this story uh, many years ago. Um, When Chris and I were first married, we, we ended up believing a double-ended lie about, about um, what was more spiritual. Because she's much more focused on people and has good people skills. Over the years, I've learned at her hand, and so any people skills that I now possess are, are her creation, so you can blame her afterwards. Um, but that I thought, well, actually, church is all about people, so she must be more spiritual than me because she has better people skills. And she looked at me, and I like prayer meetings. I really like prayer. That's one of my things. I'm a bit sad like that. And she looked at that and thought, he likes prayer. He must be more spiritual than me, because I don't. And we can actually believe these things about ourselves. um, And we we look at ourselves and we do ourselves down, rather than um, uh, rejoicing in one another's strengths. So I can, I can fully relate to some of these issues that this book was raising. But, so what I want to do is I want to talk about today what we are 
as a body and as a people and all of the different skills and all the different things that we can bring and to celebrate the differences that are among us and to, 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 to um, get the benefit from everything that, that, that other people are that we are not. As one of the regions beyond slogans is that we are there for one another's success and that's what I would like to talk about. So, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I guess most people hearing me say 1 Corinthians chapter 12 expected it to be the first part of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Well, you're wrong. It's a little bit like when Alan turns to Act 2, we all know which bits we're expecting, but it was a different bit this time. Um, We all have our favourite passages. So, this is 1 Corinthians 12, beginning at verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves and free. We were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God has arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again can the head say to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that that we think are less honourable, we bestow greater honour. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God so composed the body, giving greater honour to the part that lacked it, so that there may be no division in the body, but all the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honoured, then all rejoice together. So we are a body of people, We're not just a collection of individuals. And we, all of us, have different strengths. We, all of us, have different weaknesses. And if we then focus on our own weakness and other people's strengths and we do ourselves down, that's not very good. But also, if we focus on our own strengths and other people's weaknesses, that's also bad. But together, we have everything that we need that we don't have individually. So today I want to, to, to focus on the actions and deeds rather than words, the active rather than passive, um, because of this provocation I had from reading this book. I want to, before we start though, have a caveat. I'm going to be talking about doing lots of stuff. But I want to make it absolutely clear 
we are saved by grace. We don't do in order to get approval by God. We don't do in order to win favour. We are loved just as much whether we do or whether we don't do. And it's not about our salvation, our being acceptable at all. But we do because we have the opportunity to and we do because we like to do it uh, on the basis that we are already accepted, we are already loved and we are already um, good for everything that God needs us. Many times I'm talking to people, I, I, I find, out, find myself saying, I could never do what you do. And then they look, look at me and say, I couldn't do what you do either. So I want to talk about the different things that we all do. So I'm going to use the word mission. Now, in the church, we often use the word mission in quite a narrow and a, and a specialised sense. We tend to use the word mission as relating to evangelism, to preaching the gospel and to doing things. But I want to talk about the mission of the church. Many organisations have mission statements which encompasses everything that they do. And I want to use the word mission in that sense. What is the mission of the church? What, what are the things that we do? Now, as a church, we have a mission statement, which is to be a growing, charismatic family church based in Durham with a world vision. And I got that right, I think. And... There are many aspects of that, and that's what we as, as a particular congregation, or two congregations, have. But there's a, a worldwide church. What are the, the, the missions? And I've got, because it's a sermon, I've got three different aspects. Um, and I've got a, a, a scripture verse to begin each of those. So the first and the primary mission that we have is to glorify God and to honour him. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, it says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. Remember, this is Peter who, was, who grew up uh, in the, the nation of Israel, what, the people who were the chosen nation, the chosen people, and now he's saying, that no, we, we as a church are a chosen race and a chosen people. It's quite powerful when you see it in that context. But what does he say? He says that our mission is to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us from darkness into light. In 1646 and 1647, there were some theologians from England and Scotland who gathered to try to, to bring a common purpose for what the church should do. And they came out with something that's called the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And the most famous uh, bit from that is a question, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And that is our primary mission as a church. 
And there are many things that we do in order to fulfill that. For example, here and now. Our gatherings together, Sunday mornings, uh, Emmanuel communities, the hub, um, other, other such things. We, we're gathering to glorify God. There are special things that we do from time to time, like as, as we've already alluded to, many people are at Fusion in, in, in Norwich. There are, there are gatherings which are larger than, the, um, than just the individual church. There's the New Day, which they, there was an advert for um, on the slides. Um, we have other, other meetings so that, whose aim is to glorify God. Uh, we have periodic encountering the prophetic meetings. Um, Pittington have been having village praise there. There's all sorts of other things. I have to say, I'm going to be mentioning all sorts of things we do. That was, and if I've forgotten something, then that's fine because it's just my fault. It's nothing to do with me putting a higher value on some things than others. I just want to give you an examples of other th- things that we do. I'm aware I'm going to miss things and I have forgotten things. Another thing that we're involved in is the burn. Uh, William will have told you many times that we, uh, where this is a gathering of people simply to worship God, often for extended periods of time, 24-hour burns. Um, and the vision for the burn is that simply by worshipping in, in a town or a city or a village, we actually change the spiritual atmosphere and bring glory to God in that way. We've been also been participating in the Thy Kingdom Come prayer initiative uh, over the last, uh, well, I guess it was last week, two weeks ago. So there are many, many things that we do as a church to bring glory to God. But that's, that's perhaps more familiar, so I'm going to spend a little more time on some of the other things that we do. So first aim, to glorify God. Second mission is to proclaim the gospel. <coughs> Excuse me. So, well-known verses from Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the, na- to the, end of the age. So, focusing here on the things that we're doing corporately, as well as some of the things that individuals are doing. But corporately, one of the things we do is we run Alpha courses every year. So the the next Alpha course will start on October the 7th and run through to probably December the 16th. Every Alpha course that, that we have run as a church, we have seen somebody become a Christian, either then or subsequently often many years later, but, but people, everybody, we have, every Alpha course we've run, we have seen people become Christians. We've also seen people who've come with a very vague sort of faith, or not quite sure of their faith, and we've seen their faith strengthened and increased, and there are many people here, uh, and also in uh, Norfolk, who are part of this church because of Alpha, uh, either here or elsewhere. I've got some great quotes about Alpha. So, 
this one, this is one of, it's a great one. In my opinion, Alpha accomplishes an incredible task in making people interested in faith and making faith relevant to the modern man. There is no pressure on anyone to join a different denomination, but just to join Jesus and put Jesus at the centre. Where does that quote come from? That, that quote comes from Father Raniero Cantalamessa, who is preacher to the papal household. Right? This is Alpha in the heart of the Vatican. Another good quote, to me, Alpha is an expression of the work of the Holy Spirit. It's accessible, it's easy, it's user-friendly. It's extraordinary. It's leading people into a personal relationship with Jesus and building upon a community that engages with the world and changes it for the better. That's from Justin Welby, Archbishop of Canterbury. So, Alpha is great. Now is a good time to start to think and pray about people who you might want to be inviting to Alpha because even though it's May... October is going to come round very, very soon. The next part of that, that thing from the Great Commission is baptising people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we are regularly having baptisms. Our next baptisms are going to be on the 17th of June. So if you have not been baptised by full immersion as a believer and you want to do so, then you should come and talk to somebody. You can come and talk to me um, and we can uh, arrange that for you. Teaching them to obey all I have commanded you. Another course that we regularly run is Freedom in Christ. uh, And that typically runs uh, in the spring from from January to April. And there we understand that we're accepted and we're secure and we're significant. John 8.32 says, Know the truth and the truth will set you free. I was on the Freedom in Christ course this year and there are definitely things that have changed and shifted in my life. And I want to just bring credit for that. I did get a big kick from God to go on it, even though I didn't want to, but I obeyed the kick, as it's always a wise thing to do. I've got some good quotes from, from, from this as well. Freedom in Christ has a dramatic effect on the life of the church. There's a huge new wave of love, compassion and encouragement amongst us. Some tired old mindsets have been released and renewed. And there have been huge leaps in understanding in those who are open to talking to God, taking God at his word and running with it. There's a vibrant buzz of expectation of Jesus' healing and restoration. I'm so excited about what Jesus has done through this course. That's somebody called Liz Smith from All Saints Church in Burbage. And the Freedom in Christ Discipleship course has made a big difference to our church. It's now a significant part of our nurturing of new Christians and we try to build the discipleship course into small group life as much as we can. One of the strengths of the Freedom in Christ materials is that they're based on the fundamental fact that most Christians' behavioural problems are at root belief problems. As the truth is brought to individuals, they believe it and they become free. It's John Groves from uh, Senior Pastor of Winchester Family Church. Galatians 5.1, for freedom, Christ has set us free. 
and I've just said, there's a typo in my notes, and it says, there for freedom, Chris has set us free. <laughs> that must have been a Freudian slip. But there are many other things that we do as a church to spread the gospel and to make disciples. We have healing on the streets regularly in Durham. I've, um, unfortunately because of time, not been able to go as many times as possible, but I do remember being on a Freedom in Christ, uh, healing on the streets uh, session in Newcastle and, and praying for a young man who had very little English and we prayed for him about his leg and suddenly there was this big smile came across his face that transcends all language when we, we knew that he had been healed. There's regular street evangelism done by our students, I believe every Wednesday afternoon, is that right? Um, if you want to join in with them, I'm sure that they would be um, happy to do so. And I'd also like to, to give credit to Ron Walker, who is who always, all summer, is out there speak, spreading good news of, of Jesus, and he does a fantastic job. And as I said earlier, I couldn't do what he does. Um, and there's many people about that, so I want to give credit to Ron there. We also have uh, about the making disciples. We have a pastoral team and we have a ministry team. And if you're interested in either of those, you can also come and see me. So we have a great mission to proclaim the gospel and to make disciples. That's the second mission of the church. And there are many things that we together are doing. But just to emphasize we don't all have to do everything, but because somebody is doing each of these things, we together as a body are doing those things. Our third mission as a church is to transform society. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16, he said that you are the salt of the earth. If salt has lost its taste, how, how should its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And there are many, many things that people in this church are involved in which are not overtly preachy or evangelistic, but are there to transform society and to demonstrate in the good works um, the, the love and the care and the compassion of Jesus. And I, I've listed a few of them, and I say I could probably, I've probably missed many of them. So one of the, the first one that I had on my list is, is Refuse, which is, Durham's uh, branch of the, the junk, real junk food project, and basically intercepting food that would be thrown away, and then turning it into um, food that can be eaten, and then serving it to people on a pay-as-you-need basis. We have a, a cafe that uh, recently opened in Chesler Street earlier this year, um, and I believe that's now opening for another day a week, and... And so that's a fantastic thing to do. Um, Nikki is an absolute hero running that. And um, I encourage anybody who wants to, to get involved with that. 
We have Open Door, who work with asylum seekers um, and, and refugees, primarily round about the Teesside area, but we do have people in this church who are working there, there and part of that. We have Handcrafted, which is... Um, Handcrafted's uh, mission statement is it's born out of a desire to, s- to see people who are disadvantaged due to crime, alcohol, substance abuse and unemployment, ill health or old age, make a positive step to becoming active members of the community again. So people who are in those positions are given skills, primarily practical skills, to, um, to help them uh, gain self-respect and self-esteem and to be able to do something useful. We, Pete Gray, our, our youth worker, one of our youth workers, he, he does um, an amazing amount of, of community and detached youth work in schools and in the community um, around uh, this city and the region. Uh, I, have, I love hearing some of the stories he tells of um, I can't possibly do justice to them, of standing in a bus shelter on a rainy day, sharing the gospel with some, with some, some young people who were basically out on the street because they had nothing else to do, and just the wonder of, 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 on their faces as they heard about good news. He's also active in setting up prayer spaces and doing uh, school assemblies in schools. Um, so that's fantastic. Again, that's something that I don't think I could do. We have people who are involved in Junction 42, which works with prisoners and people who are recently out of prison, uh, helping them to integrate into society and, and giving, um, giving them, again, dignity and purpose. We have people involved in adoption and fostering, involved with Home for Good, whose vision is to, is to see um, all of the, the peop- all the children who need, um, uh, need a family, who don't have a family, to be fostered or adopted as, as appropriate. And I believe the statistic was that if every church in the nation ad- adopted or fostered one child, then the problem would be over, which I think is quite um, an amazing statistic. We have people involved in food bank, with people involved in street lights, working with people who are um, slightly the worse for wear on a Friday and Saturday night and need, need a little bit of assistance. And we've had some amazing stories from that of, of um, people being uh, grabbed before they threw themselves in the river and so forth. So there are many, many areas of life that people in this church are involved in which do good to society, that are salt and light. Not usually overtly evangelistic, but actually practical help, doing active mission in the community. And not everybody has to be involved in all of them. Not everybody has to be involved in any of them. Because for each of us, we've been placed in 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 a... a family, in a street, uh, in a workplace, uh, in a school, whatever it might be, where we have people around us who we can be salt and light to those around us. And so I'm wanting to to give you a a challenge as we 
towards the close of, of what is it that God wants to do through your life around with the people around you. So I want to give you a little bit of my story and just to give you an illustration of what what could um, well, what God can do. And it's primarily through my work. Those of you who've heard me talk about this, you'll know that there's been there were some, some amazing stories of how God got me into the job where I am now. Um, many of them through the skin of my teeth, or as I sometimes say, the scum on the skin of my teeth. Um, and I, I'm absolutely convinced that I am in the job where God has called me to be because it's taken so many miracles to get me here that, um, well, but, and so, I, well, as a side issue, I'm always happy to pray for people with job issues and employment issues because I've just seen God work so faithfully in my life. I'm absolutely confident that he's going to work in other people's. In fact, last Sunday, I ended up praying with two different people with big employment issues and I'm waiting to see what God's going to do. And I've been continuing to pray for them in the week. But anyway, um, in spite of all of that, I just thought, well, that's my job, that's that part of my life. And it was at a, um, a Bible week a, a few years ago. Um, we had a talk from Philippa Stroud, who was, who's involved in politics. And she was, she, there was just one thing she said, uh, in this, she was talking about the influence that people have in, in different roles. And in case you don't know, I work in the university, I'm a maths professor, and she said, people who work in universities have influence. And it just went, pchum, straight in. So I suddenly realised that it wasn't just the people I worked with, but somehow there could be more influence that I happen to have because of the job God's put me in. And everybody is different where they're, where they're placed. So I started to actively think, well, actually, how can I use the influence that I have to do good? And very quickly, God showed me that I, I had lots of contacts with people in many other countries, particularly in developing countries. And so I was actively involved in, um, I decided to actively involve in, in just doing good to people who were working in universities, particularly in developing countries. So that happened and it's been going on. But it's not just developing countries, but it's also through international links and uh, one of the things, as m- most of you know, uh, Chris and I were able to spend a year in Japan and it was simply because of my work that I was able to get there. And today, the group, the church that um, got together while we were there, they're meeting to get, and they asked us to pray for them. So if you can, uh, as we go, uh, pray for them because... Uh, Hulda Ito, who was the, the main lady who we were in contact with, she was visiting Durham in April. Uh, she came to our Emmanuel community and she also met with the elders. And so she's going to be talking to them about her experience in Durham and what, what she learned then. So if we can pray for her, that would be fantastic. So that was, that's one aspect of the way God has, has used me through my job the next phase is going to be quite interesting because um, something that I have been avoiding for some time and has finally come home to roost is that from 
January of next year, I'm going to be taking over as the head of the department at the university. It's quite an exciting time. We're doing lots of job appointments. We're getting a new building and so forth. And I had just seen this as a big sink on my time. One of the things that God has, has actually um, pointed out to me is actually this is the next step in his mission for me to be salt and light in the place where I work. And so actually I'm regarding it now not just as, a, as something that I'm fearing, but rather as something that he's called me to. And there's a very good friend of mine who's the head of a university department in Leeds who, who said, when I talked to him what it was like, he said, oh, it's fantastic. I've got this group from church praying. We're doing prayer walking around the department. We're doing spiritual warfare. We've seen amazing things happen. And I thought, wow. Maybe I will try to do something similar. So I'm working out how this is going to work. So that's how God's used me in what doesn't seem to be a very spiritual sort of job. God can use you where you are. What's your story? How does he want to use you? You may say, well, I'm just... It's just coincidence as to where I live and who I'm working among and who my friends are. And Well, Archbishop William Temple said, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't, they don't. So if it's just coincidence, well, maybe just pray for more coincidences and, and we'll see. Because there are people who you know who I don't know. And nobody else in this church knows. There are people who you work with, you, who are your neighbours, who, uh, who are, you meet at the school gate, who uh, you meet when you're shopping, that you do um, sport with, whatever it might be, who you can show love and kindness and compassion to. And maybe even you can see them change and become Christians. Or you can just be salt and light and reach out to people with love and compassion without ever speaking any words about him. So let's just think about what we do and our mission to glorify God and worship him, to spread the gospel and make disciples and to be salt and light in the world. So... Are the band around? Just, just, well, if, are the band around? Yeah, well, they've got two members. There. Uh, Raymond and Lindsay were there and then they disappeared. Oh, magically they've, they've reappeared. Excellent. Uh, just say the word band and poof, they come. So I'd like to pray for us all and then we'll have a song and, and uh, close and go out to them today. Lord, I want to thank you that you have a calling and a purpose and a plan for each of our lives and that you have so orchestrated it so that the plan you have for each of our lives as individuals, they all come together to, to be part of a big plan and a purpose that you have for us as a church. And Lord, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters here that you will work out the plan that you have for them so that together we can accomplish everything that your church uh, needs to accomplish, to to honour you, to glorify you, to preach your gospel, to make disciples and to be salt and light in the world around us. 
Amen.